Come on out, dress up for the warm weather. You can wear your flip-flops if you want or, you know, your Hawaiian shirts or whatever. We'll turn the heat up so you're not cold and we'll just have a fun time and pretend it's been, uh, it's summer, right? Well, kids, you can take off to your classrooms. Go have a great time. Well, now that your grandkids are gone, you can move back up. You just seem like you're so far away now. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, Father, we just thank you for your presence. It's already been in this place, but right now, Lord, we turn our attention to the word. We thank you that your words are life. They are health to our flesh. They are alive. They're quick. They're powerful. They divide between what our thoughts are and what your thoughts are. And so, Father, we thank you. We seek your thoughts. We seek your revelation and your wisdom today. We ask for it liberally, and we receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and say, I honor the word. I honor the word. If you honor the word, man, it's going to come alive in your midst. That which you honor, you receive from. If you treat it like it's unimportant, you're not going to receive from it. And so this morning, we're going to continue on in our series on the laws of God. And uh, whew, I'm enjoying this series. We've got a, got a few more to go in the next few weeks. But um, I want to reiterate some things this morning about the laws of God as we are now, I think this is week number four that we are into it. And whenever you talk about the law or laws, people often already have pre-programmed ideas about what you're talking about just by saying a certain word. And when we're talking about the laws of God, we're talking about his kingdom things and the principles that govern his kingdom. Because every kingdom or every country or every nation has their own laws and rules, right? You know, if you go to Saudi Arabia, you can't expect them to be following the same laws of Canada. They have a different government and a different way of thinking. But you're here in Canada, so we follow Canadian laws, right? And we are kingdom people, so we follow and submit to kingdom laws, right? And so if God said it's one way and the world says it's another, which one do you want to follow? There's his way of doing things in the world, and they will only get you world results. But I'm looking for kingdom ways, kingdom results, kingdom mindsets, kingdom experiences. And so we're going to keep pursuing and looking at the laws of God. And now, something I said last week that I want to reiterate again this morning is we, you can hear this, and I've heard it lots. You get people say, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And that is a very true statement. You are not under the Mosaic law. You are now in the grace of God. You've accessed grace through faith in Christ Jesus. But you can take a very true statement. This is a statement that is biblically true. But when you say it, meaning it a certain way, can take the truth out of it. When you say, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace, but what you mean is don't put any restrictions on me. I'll do what I want when I want. That's not the Bible. He said if, if you, if he's been risen above, you seek the things that are above. It said imitate him and follow his way. And so if you're saying, well, you don't tell me what to do, and he's saying, well, I would like you to do it this way, you won't receive the blessings and the grace that have been allocated under those commandments. And we don't like to use word commandments. 
But come on, when we're raising our own children, we have certain commandments like don't run out into the street, right? Why? We don't want them to get run over. Don't put your hand on a hot wood stove. Why? We don't want them to melt the skin off their hand. They are not laws that are meant to harm them. They're laws that are meant to protect them and to give them an environment in which they can flourish. And so we're talking about the laws of God. But unfortunately, when you say the word law, most people go under the general definition of what law is. And because we've been ingrained, especially as uh, people who usually have grown up in church, we think how the law of Moses has taught us. And it follows the number one definition of law, which is a system of rules regulating the actions of its members, which may be enforced by the imposition of penalties. Aren't our natural Canadian laws built around that? If you break the law, you either get fined or you go to jail, depending on the severity of it. So there's an action that is being regulated, and it is enforced by a penalty. The law of Moses was the same way. If you do this, we stone you. If you do this, we also stone you. You know, it seemed like ever their solution to everything is let's pick up some rocks and bash some skulls. That's not the type of law we're talking about when we talk about the laws of God. The, that system of law, as we read last week in Romans 7, it says, but now we have been delivered from that type of law, having died to what we were held by. We're held by. We're held by. Come on, let's, okay, I've got a lot of stuff to cover this morning. Keep it going, moving with me. Where is were? Were is past tense, which means I'm not held by it anymore because I've been delivered by the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. And so we've died to those things which are held us so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And so I want to re-say something I said last week is which the law can only govern actions. And the spirit inside of you will always do a better job than the law because the law dealt with an external action, the spirit deals with your heart it changes why do you want to do that come on jesus put the law on steroids he said if you even look at a woman with adult lust in your heart you've committed adultery let's not even talk about the action i'm looking at your heart and so he went ahead through his death burial and resurrection and did something about your nature and so we don't live under the oldness of the letter that only looks at our action. We live out of the newness of our spirit, which transforms our want-tos and changes our desires when we focus on God. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Come on. So we don't serve the old letter. We serve the newness of the spirit because the spirit will always do a better job come on we have to have that established because paul even dealt with it in his day he's going out he's preaching grace through faith and right behind him is a bunch of jewish people saying that's wonderful stuff that paul's been teaching you oh so good so good but i also need you to keep this feast and I need you to keep this law. I also need you to get circumcised because, you know, you Gentile people, we don't think you're very clean. Yeah, you know, there, there were so many things that they came behind and said, oh, good, good, good. But, come on. Yeah. Religious people are the same way. Yeah. 
I've seen the Holy Spirit do a much better job of cleaning people up than me ever telling them, stop this, stop that, do this, do that. Because he can change their heart. I can't. I can only put pressure on them. And the thing that happens with pressure, people either break or they react. And you won't like the reactions you often get out of people. But what we can do, we keep bringing an atmosphere of the Spirit. We keep bringing an attention back to what God said. His love, His mercy, His abundance of ways, that'll change a person in ways your actions never could. And so when we talk about the word law, we know that most English words have more than one type of definition when we say the word law. This is the one we're talking about. Law is a statement of fact. It is deduced from observation to the effect that a particular phenomenon always occurs when certain conditions are present. So first off, when we're talking about the laws of God, they are statements of fact. They are not open to your interpretation or your yeah buts. Last week we said, exchange your yeah buts for your yes lords. There's certain things that are not up for discussion. Just like we you can look at Mary. Mary was like, oh, how is this going to happen? She was looking for the avenue. What should I be doing, God? When, he, when the angel came and said, you're going to have a baby, and she's like, ah, I've never known a man. How is that going to happen? How is this going to happen? And he was fine. But Zacharias had a different, ha, huh, that's not going to happen. His questioning of it got him mute for nine months. Hers got, you are blessed among women. And so God's not afraid of your question, but there's times for you to shut up and just say, don't understand it. Yes, Lord, so be it unto me. And when we look into the word, we have to receive it with that open heart of like, okay, God, I don't know it all. I know you do. So I'm just going to say, I accept. Open my heart to understand. And so a law, the laws of God always start as statements of fact. And there's a certain phenomenon that will always occur when certain conditions are present. Let's look at some of those conditions again. In John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So in order to be subject to kingdom laws and kingdom experiences and kingdom blessings, you got to be a person of the kingdom. Come on. You got to be a person of the kingdom. And so if the condition to be met is you got to believe. You got to receive Jesus if you want to experience kingdom things. And I'll reiterate this again. We're seeing this narrative more and more through Christian people saying, well, there's just, you know, maybe there's more ways to get to God. Maybe, as one person said, it's like we're all watching different channels, but we're all being entertained, so we all must be getting to the, to the same spot. No! He said, as many as received him, to those he gave the power to become sons and daughters of God. And so the first condition for the phenomenon of salvation and the blessings of the kingdom to happen is you got to be a kingdom person. you got to make that step. Whereas Paul said, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, the Son of his love. And so if you've made that journey, we're talking about laws that govern you today. He says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Those conditions need to be met. 
The other ones we've been looking at is Romans 6. And verse 8 says, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. Come on, this is a big thing. It's not that we'll automatically. It says we believe we will. I exercise faith that just as I died with Christ and I was identified in his death, I also exercise faith that I'm identified in the resurrection and the life. I believe that life is flowing to my body right now. Just as I identified, I died, I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Life is flowing to me now. I believe it. I receive it. That's a condition that must be met. It says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For death, the death that he died, he died once for all, but the life he lives... He lives to God. And what it's saying, only one death was needed, but that life is continual. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Why? Because God is through eternity. And so if the death, once you identify with it, continually identify in the life. Amen? And he says, likewise, you reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Make that conscious decision when you wake up. I am alive unto God. Just as he is right now, so am I. That's what John the Apostle said. Just as he is right now, that's how I am. The life of God is flowing to my body. Sickness and pain and disease is falling off this body because life has entered into this body. I choose to reckon myself to be alive unto God. Come on. Reckon yourself to be alive. That's a condition that needs to be met in order for the life of God to begin to flow. And so when we're talking about the laws of God, there are phenomenon that will happen when certain conditions happen. It always happens that way. And so the first law we looked at is law number one, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There is a law at work on my behalf that speaks life, 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 life. When the world's speaking death, 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 lack, hardship, whatever, life is flowing. It's a law, not a suggestion. And as we said in Galatians 6, 8, he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. And what Paul was saying there is if you keep living and doing and focusing and, and putting more weight on the things of the world, you will receive the direction the world's going. Come on. It's not the, what you want. You know, I, I love this story that Mark Hankins used to tell. He probably still does tell it. I just haven't heard it in a while. He, he was... Uh, not on the right path, we'll just say, and he wasn't really following God, even though he had grown up in a Christian family. His parents were pastors, and uh, he was out living, living his, the rock and roll lifestyle, as he likes to say, and he bought this beautiful uh, red uh, sports car convertible. You know, he thought that would just be exactly what he wants, and he was dating this really hot blonde, and he decided to take her home to mom. And so they, they get to mom, and mom's being pleasant, and they're having tea or coffee or whatever it was. And uh, as the mom slipped in the kitchen, you know, Mark followed in, kind of like, you know, what do you, what do you think? And she said, Mark, you may get what you want, but you won't want what you get. <laughs> and that's what the world is. There may be things that you look at like, ooh, I want that. You may get what you want, but you won't want what you get. <laughs> 
And he said, I drove, got out of that place, and as much as I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so, so glad about where I'm at, he's like, I dropped her that day. He's like, and when I met my wife, I was like, I'm so glad I didn't get what I want. I got what I needed. And so he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And as, as uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, that which is flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you've made that kingdom change, your spirit. So give weight to the things of the spirit. Give focus and priority and honor them. For that which you honor, you will receive from. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Everyone say free. Free. Okay. Let's get back on to law number two. Go over with your Bibles with me to James chapter one. And if you're watching online, welcome. I forgot to say hello to you all. Get your Bibles out. Get your notepad out. Turn to James chapter one and follow along just like we are. James chapter one. And as I told you last week, James is not for the immature believer. James says it bluntly. And the reason why he does that is he's been going through a rough time. Jerusalem, who he was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, it's been laid to waste by the Romans. The, the, the Christians are starving. There, there's tons of orphans and widows. You know, the Romans came through the city. They just started slaughtering everybody where they are, were. And uh, James has had to had a good fight, a good fight. You know, when it says fight the good fight of faith, he understands. And so he doesn't just say words he doesn't mean. He say, says words he lives. And that's where we as Christians need to get back to. It's not just a fancy idea. Come on. It's not a fancy idea what we're talking about. It's something we need to live. Because there's going to come a time where you can't live that other way. You won't want what you get. You've got to stand in faith and believe that God has got your back he will always come through for you. You'll always have more than enough. He will always put food on your table. He will always heal your body. He will always make a way of escape. Come on. There's coming a time in this world where you can't yield that way. You've got no choice to go but this way. If you go that way, you die. Come on. It's not just fancy words. And so James, he's experienced that, and he's speaking out of his experience. And he comes in James, in James chapter 1, verse 17. We'll start here. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Think about that. There's a difference between just a good and then the perfect one. Oh, come on. There's a difference between something that is good and that which is perfect. Don't waste your time chasing what is, what is good when you can chase the one who is perfect. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And it comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He says he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as he was once, he will be again in your life. He's not changed. Even with the changes of covenant, it didn't change God. It changed you. There was a fall in the garden. The new covenant through Jesus Christ restored that fallen nature. It changed what was inside of you, which is why we live out of the newness of the spirit and not out of the oldness of the letter. Because there was a change on the inside of you. 
And so he says next, he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of his truth. His word is truth. And he brought us forth out of his own will or his own desire. It was his idea. And I said this last week, and I'll say it again. You know, there was in the 90s, I remember seeing a video of people saying, oh, you faith people, you're just twisting God's arm, trying to make him do what you want. It's like you're holding him captive. You've got him caught. I believe, and you're going to give it to me, God. No, it's of his own will, his desire he brought us forth out of his truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. I like how we read in the Amplified last week. It says, the prime example of his intentions. That's what he wants you to be, the prime example of his intentions. So verse 19 says, so understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful and a thoughtful listener. That's that that's wisdom there. Be a careful and a thoughtful listener. It's not just about what you listen to, it's who you listen to and the weight you give it. Come on. I understand there's a lot of great podcasts out there, but there are people that are not talking kingdom things. Don't give them the same weight as kingdom things. Come on. Be a careful and a thoughtful listener. Be slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words. A speaker of carefully chosen words. What are the carefully chosen words? Say what God says about you. Say what God says about your situation. Don't align with what you see. Say what God says is there. Don't align with what the world says about you. Say what God says. Be a speaker of carefully chosen words and slow to anger. Be patient, reflective, and forgiving. And as I read that this morning as I was going over, it's like, you know, when we talk about forgiveness, everyone loves the idea of being forgiven, but we don't often like the idea of forgiving others. And we like the idea of us being forgiven much, but we generally like to forgive little to others. No, come on. And to the extent that you have been given, give unto others. Freely as you have received, freely give, and that includes forgiveness. You know, as Jesus was praying, teaching his disciples, he says, forgive just as your Father has forgiven you. So if it was a lot for you, let it be a lot for others. And as, as Peter said, you know, how often should we forgive? Seven times? He thought seven was a good number. And Jesus said, no, seven times, 70. You know, and that wasn't like you can stop at 490. He was just giving him a, 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 a range of being like, it's a lot bigger than you want to consider it, Peter. Come on. So let's be patient, reflective, and forgiving. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, let us lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And what he's James is saying here, get rid of the leftovers. Get rid of the leftovers from the life before. When you made that kingdom change and became spirit and focusing on spirit, get rid of the leftovers that used to govern you. That's what James is saying here. And he says, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's not talking about salvation here. It's the word psyche. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. The word of God will teach you to govern your emotions. Come on. And have mastery over them rather than them having mastery over you. The word of God will transform your 
thoughts rather than having your thoughts influence your actions. Everything we do started up here first, right? You know, no one, I, when people say like, oh, it just happened. No, 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 things don't just happen. We make choices. And so it says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save even your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Here's how, what the message translation says to that verse. It says, so throw all the spoiled virtue and the cancerous evil in the garbage. And I like how it says that because there's a lot of things that the world peddles as good things these days. And they're just spoiled virtue. If I gave you a banana that's been on my shelf on my, in my kitchen for three or four weeks versus one that is fresh and ripe, which one do you want to eat? The spoiled one, of course, right? The, the fresh one. So why do we want the spoiled goods of the world? I hate a mushy banana. The only thing they're good for is banana muffins or banana cake. Because it's already mush. Mush it up into some batter. But if I'm going to eat a banana, I want something that's got a little bit of constitution to it. You know, it's still got some, some strength to it. Why would I want the spoiled virtue of the world? But what does he say? Instead of that, he says, in, in hu simple humility or with an open heart. Let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word. Making a salvation garden in your life. What did we say in week number one of this? God, when he created this, this world, he created a planet, but he planted a garden. And he put Adam and Eve in that garden and said, here are the seeds. What do you want to see? And so here James is saying the word of God is seeds. And when we implant them with humility or meekness, God will landscape you. He will change the way you look inside, flowing out to the outside. I love the song we used to sing when we were kids in church. There's something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Where religion says, change everything on the outside, and hopefully the inside won't rot, and maybe you'll go to heaven one day. Come on. No, it's inside out. Come on. Making a salvation garden out of your life. I think his plan and purpose for us is greater than anything you will ever imagine while you're here in the body. But you know what? You can discover it a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more every day because it's a walk and a journey with him. Isn't that the great thing about God is we don't have to do it all in one day? He did the work that was needed in Jesus, and now we walk together. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, and he observes himself, and he goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man is. And what James is saying is, if you saw it in the word, it's true about you. Don't walk away and say, oh, that was good. No, go away and say, that's me, that's me today. That's what I'm doing. That's what I expect. That's what I'm opening my doors to receive. I expect goodness. I expect mercy. I expect forgiveness. 
forgiveness. I expect the overflow of his blessings. I am those things because the word God of God said, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Not will be. He used the word you are. So, whew, we're going slow today. <laughs> Don't worry, we can catch up some time here. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so that we have to understand the language here of this verse. You're, you're understanding? He says, he who looks into, which means it's not going to stand up in front of you and say, here I am, here I am, here I am. It says, he who looks into. It's like that, that presence you open on Christmas morning. You rip the wrapping paper off, and it's in a box probably from Amazon because that's where everybody shops. And you rip it open, and you're like, oh, yeah. Don't let your Christianity be in a box on the shelf that you've never looked at. It says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. He says it's a perfect law, which means he puts his seal of approval on his word. And it says the perfect law of liberty. That's what he calls his Bible, the perfect law of freedom. And this is how we can tell how the, whether the word is being properly applied or misapplied in our lives. Did it free you from something to something. If it brings you back into bondage, it's been misapplied. If it sets you free to live the life that God has called you to, you know the word is working. You know you're beginning to see it right. And he says, continue in it, because that's our word for this year. Continue in 2023. Don't just half do it. Continue. Pick it up and go all the way through. Don't let it be a once in a while. Let it be an every day. I plan to walk with you, God, every moment every step I look to you in all things and I will continue in it he says he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and is not a forgetful hearer this one will be blessed in what he does you can try to be blessed in any of the other ways that the world may say oh this is a good way to go you know there's good things that the world says too there's things you should do you know the Bible does say that they're, they're, they're wiser than us in some aspects some Christians just make stupid decisions over and over again expecting a different result. No, you should probably try something new, but God's word is always higher. The one who follows it, the perfect law, will be blessed in what he does. That word perfect, it's the second time James used it in these uh, eight verses. He says it's perfect. It's the word teleos. It means it's been brought to the end. It's been finished. It's wanting nothing necessary of completeness. The word doesn't need anything added to it as much as the world may want to add to it. Well, that's just not applicable to us anymore. You know, society's changed a lot in 2,000 years. Yeah, but God hasn't. I'm not looking to relate to society. I'm looking to relate to God. I'm not looking to follow the kingdom of Canada. I'll observe their laws while I'm here, but I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm a representative of where I live, the kingdom of God. And the word, the perfect law of liberty, has already been completed. It doesn't need your addition. It just needs your acceptance and obedience. Do I need to say that again? It doesn't need your addition. It just needs your acceptance and obedience. You work the word, and the word will always work. If he said, 
All things are possible to him who believes, then all things are possible. If he said, whoever says unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things which he said shall be done, it shall be done, then he meant it. Come on. If he said that by his stripes you were healed, not even will be, were, then that's what it is, because it's a finished work. Come on. It's a perfect work. It's a perfect law. It's been finished. And so when Paul says to the Galatians, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has made us free and don't be entangled again to the yoke of bondage. Why? Because the word of God sets you free and it'll keep you free as you continue in it. And as the world tries to wrap its arm and put you back in bondage, you say, ha, who the sun sets free is free indeed. You can't hold me. I will not be bound by any chain. There is no sickness that can hold me. There's no lack that can hold me. I have been set free. And so he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Now, Pastor Wendy brought up a great set of verses at Friday at corporate prayer. And in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, it says, my son, keep your father's command. Don't forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart or tie them on hard. Tie them around your neck, because when you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. Whew. I like that when you sleep. You know God's still working on your behalf while you're not working? Come on. When you're sleeping, whoo, the blessing of the Lord that worked for me. When you're awake, they're speaking. Why are they speaking? So that they can lead you. And so it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproof of instruction are the way of life. Not the way of bondage, the way of life. We give instruction and correction to our children so that they can flourish, not that so they can fail. And his commandment will illuminate the path before you. As long as you keep yourself separate from the word... You're going to have a darkness surrounding you. And you're going to continue to be like, I just don't know what to do. Which way should I go? No, but as soon as you add the light, it says the entrance of his words give light. And it gives understanding to the simple. And as Jesus said, he said, if you abide in my word and you're my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. So here's a question. What makes the law of liberty so perfect? Well, one, it's because he did the work, and he's perfect. He is the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us, and he can't be anything but perfect. And so his law of liberty is also perfect. But there's a second reason why, because when you look into the law of liberty, it reveals to you the royal law. Oh, come on, we've got a perfect law, and we've got a royal law? And we're like, man, all I thought was the old covenant law. No, there's the perfect law of liberty and there's the royal law. Let's look in James chapter 2, just a few verses down from where we just were. In James chapter 2, verse 1, he says, For my brethren, do not hold the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. 
Meaning don't apply it in some areas and not in all areas is what James is saying here. He's like, as you believe one way, apply it over here and over here and over here. And he gives an example. He says, for if there should come into your assembly or into your church a, a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes, and you say to him, oh, oh, come here, sit, sit in my good place, sit, sit right up here and right where Pastor Robin is supposed to be sitting. He's just so far away from me today. Come sit here in his place, the, play, the place right up front. You sit here, and then you say to the poor man, you go stand over there. Go sit back there with Jordan Hamill. Go right in the back. You know, if you could go a little further, I don't want to smell your stank. Or you say, here, sit at my feet as though you are my servant. Have you not shown partiality among yourself? And you've become judges with evil thoughts? He says, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Meaning, you may look at them where they're at, but God, whew, you don't know where he can take them. Come on. Just look through history. There's so many rags to riches when you come to Jesus. Has he not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and they drag you into the courts? Don't they blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. So law number three is the royal law of love. God is love. It's not something he has. It's what he is. And his love is ever reaching out to you and you and you and us all. And so Paul said, brethren, brothers, sisters, people of this church, people listening online, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, condemn that man. Tell him he's doing a bad job. Tell him it's so good you're finally trying to decide to turn your life around. No. He says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also fall and be tempted considering how would I want someone to treat me come on this, this isn't important the world is teaching us to be at everyone's throats to be outraged about everything and God is saying in a spirit of gentleness lift those people up bear one another's burdens and so fulfill So, law one, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Law number two, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, that one will be blessed in what he does. And number three, the royal law of love. Ever flowing, ever reaching, reaching to you, reaching to you and also reaching through you. Father, we thank you, Father, for your word. We give it honor this morning and we draw from it. We thank you that it is true and it will remain true forevermore for all eternity. I thank you, Lord, that not one word or one even period will fall away from it. 
your word is true every day. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you can love through us because you've poured your love into our hearts. The moment we believed in you, there's more love in us than we could ever imagine. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We honor you, Lord. Yes, we do. Oh, how I love your laws, Lord. Oh, they're so sweet to me, oh God. Yes. They keep me in my way. They light the way before me. Wherever I go, I go with you, my Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, if you need prayer for anything this morning, if you need someone to agree with you, believe with you, stand with you, testify with you, celebrate with you, cry with you, whatever it is you need today, our Word Care Team.